Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to Starting a Record Label. If you haven't figured it out by now, this podcast is about me starting a record label. This week, I actually uh, had on one of my friends, Chris Wallace. We've known each other since, gosh, I think like seventh grade. He was in one of the uh, big MySpace breakout bands, uh, The White Tie Affair. Not only was he a lead singer of The White Tie Affair, but he's also an amazing songwriter, super nice guy, really fun to be around, always. But anyways, we talk about his life, uh, signing to a record label, uh, the MySpace era. We talk about today and his solo career and what he's doing personally to try to get out there, even uh, a lot of newer stuff like writing stuff writing music live via Facebook and other things that he's trying out. We talk about labels today and uh, whether or not uh, my idea is any good. Uh, Actually, we did a live Zoom video. So if you want to watch the video, the video is on YouTube. Uh, I usually post most of these things on YouTube. They don't always have video. Hopefully in the future, we can uh, try to make that different. But last thing before we start, uh, if you could subscribe and share this with a friend, it goes a long way to help us get exposed to new listeners. Also, if you're interested in being on the label, uh, you can head over to nottodayrobot.com and enter in your band's information, and uh, I'll definitely check that out. But without further ado, Chris Wallace. Joshua! Hey, how's it going? What's up, my friend? Oh, I had the volume up way loud. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cheers, hmm, my friend. That. Thank you. I have to uh, have to do the tea. I've been trying to lose some more weight. I gained a crap ton back since then. Oh really, man? Yeah. yeah, you got this, bro. You got this shit. It's all in your. It's all in your mind. You got it. So how's things going in the uh, songwriting universe? Podcast land. Um, <laughs> you know, songwriting universe is probably better than ever. <laughs> honestly, <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, I've been. You know, the last few years. I mean, as 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 you might know, I've been. Uh, I was an artist for many years, and then I've been focusing on writing songs for other people. So I'm like. You know, now my, my, I actually just switched about a month ago to writing more albums for myself. So I'm actually, I'm taking a break from writing from, for anyone else, you know? So, but it's going really well, you know, even in the quarantine, I'm still like getting cuts and and offers uh, for people to cut my songs. So it's, that's crazy. You know, you figure that would slow down, but it doesn't. No, I mean, I think with the quarantine, you know, people are going to be releasing more because they can tour less. You know, normally it's like you release a thing, then go promote it. And then it's like, now you kind of take that variable out. I'm sure people are still promoting, but you take a little bit of that touring mechanism and the time spent traveling and all that stuff. And it's just more time to create, I feel like. So Mm. I feel like output will increase. I'm going to treat this like a podcast because it pretty much is. (laughs) You tell me, bro. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never done anything. I don't even listen to podcasts. (laughs) No, dude, I listen to so many podcasts. It's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, You you, you lead the way, bro. I'm just, just gonna, uh, you know, you know, I could, uh, I could basically talk for hours. So you might have to shut me up some. Oh, I know. (laughs) Chris and I have been friends since like seventh grade. Uh, He played Mm -hmm. a couple of times in a few of the bands that I grew up in, but he's always been playing music. Uh, since the day I knew him and he got, he eventually was in a band called the white tie affair. I'm sure you guys have heard of, uh, how'd you get signed to that originally? Just so that everybody else knows, uh, white tie affair. So I was in a band in Indiana called a perfect gentleman. Me and me and a friend of mine had this band and we wrote a bunch of songs that uh, a few of them ended up becoming white tie affair songs. But, uh, I had this crazy idea one day to make this like super pop song. And I, I, I downloaded Reason at the time, and I made this loop beat and put it on MySpace at the time. 
uh, or I, I didn't put it out. I actually played it for the band that I was in, and they're like, "This is not good." And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> That's was like, like strictly like post punk rock, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like me taking a huge chance. You know, I was really big into Hello Goodbye and Panic at the Disco and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I was like, you know, I was like electronic mixed with guitars. Come on, you know. And everyone, <laughs> the band was just like, "Nah, this is whack, bro." So then I was like, "Oh, okay." And I, I, I was sad for a few days, and then I sent it to a, another friend randomly, uh, this dude Andrew. And he's like, bro, this song is like, this is magic. Like, you got to release this. So then I was like, all right, screw it. So I, I made up uh, a silhouette image and posted it on MySpace, like kind of as a secret because I didn't want to tell my band at the time because I wanted to keep it going. I didn't want to make anybody mad. Mm-hmm. And then overnight, it just blew up. It got posted on this site called AbsolutePunk.net. <laughs> you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, and actually, this dude, uh, uh, this, this, this dude, Chris, this promoter guy had heard it and, and, and knew someone at absolutepunk.net and sent it to him. And uh, it just blew up overnight. And then literally a, within two days of that, like four major labels were calling me and uh, a couple indie labels, you know, Brett Garowitz, mm. I think was the first one that called me. Nice. Um, and, I, you know, it was, it was one of those things. I was going to work. I was in college. I was going to Purdue at the time. And it just like flipped my whole world. It was basically from like zero to 100. I was in local mm. bands trying to make it. And then it was just this one thing happened. They're like, yo, can we hear other stuff? And I was like, oh my God, I only have one song. So I just immediately, just, I, I, I quit my job. I basically sold everything I had. And I was just like, screw it. I'm going, I'm doubling down on this. And I honestly have never stopped since. I remember how the craziness of that and you sending me it and seeing... Uh, the numbers just skyrocket like on the MySpace stuff. Like, holy crap, Chris is really into something. This is really big. Yeah, I just remember it, that. It blew my mind. You know, every day was just a new change. It was like, you know, I'm I'm like one day I'm going to work. You know, I had an internship set up in college and mm. or after college, and I was like, okay, this music thing is. I think it's working, but maybe I should finish my backup plan because it was kind of. You know, it was, it was run. It felt like it was running its course a little bit, and then this mm-hmm. one huge, huge beacon of hope came, and I'm like, "Wow!" And next thing <laughs> I know, like a day later, I'm on the phone with Brett Gerwitz. He's like, "Hello, have you heard of my label?" And I'm just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is insane!" So yeah, and uh, that was like the spark, and then I've I've just constantly poured gasoline on it ever since. Mm. How many? Uh- because you took a couple of the guys from A Perfect Gentleman, right, to be in the White Tie yeah, Affair? Yeah, one that? of the guys, this guy, Sean, uh, Sean Patwell. Sean, yeah. Sean P. Um, and he was kind of like the producer guy. Like, I, I really, had, when I made that first song, I just learned Reason. Like, you know, that was <laughs> I big at the time. a couple buttons on Reason and like drag in, drug in some loops. It was super lo-fi. And I actually sent it to like, uh, like a friend of a friend and he mixed it and made it sound, you know, made it sound mm-hmm. a little more hi-fi. And I was like, oh, this is dope. And that was just an overnight thing. It's, it's, it's crazy how that can happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. in this age, the same thing's happening. You're seeing it happen on TikTok. You're seeing it happen with uh, Lil Nas X, you know? I mean, yeah. you, you know, I'm not saying my song is, it's a similar thread though. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, the barriers of entry, it's like everyone has a voice now. And if it, mm-hmm. and if it cuts through enough, you know, everybody's got a shot, you know? Yeah. So it's really exciting. It's a really exciting time, I think, especially right now. Yeah, I, I really see, especially with TikTok right now, I feel like Facebook kind of stomped out like any chance of having music be a part of that 
uh, even Instagram, I feel like that's not very, very good. But TikTok, especially since it's so music based, you like, has a really good chance. Off. Well, I mean, you could turn the sound off, but like when you log in, the sound's on. You yeah. Know? Like that's you, 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 you log in and it's, it's loud already. It already, like whenever I turn it on, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. It's well, I mean, like it was originally, with something. Yeah. it was originally called musically. And then they, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. they decided like, hold on, this is, this is pigeonholing us. Let's go, mm-hmm. let's go broader. And I think it was a smart move. And the quarantine yeah. has just made that platform explode. And honestly, yeah. man, you know, a lot of the internet's so serious. It's just, you know, you go to Instagram and everyone's serious. Everyone's like extra photoshopped. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everyone's just yeah. posing and posturing. You know, they're posting, they're taking 50 pictures and posting the one, mm. you know, one out of that camera roll. And I don't know, man. I think, I think the world is just kind of over production value, man. You mm. know? Now that every now that everyone's got a a camera as good as you know movies when we grew up in their pocket, you know it's just like production value is almost like okay everybody can do that. So I, I feel think like TikTok is 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 allowing people to be creative in a different way, and it seems fun. Fun, it's, yeah. it's fun again. You know, I think having too much production value seems less genuine. Like yeah. especially yeah, for the like, like, artists. Mm-hmm. Even people's artworks, you know, artists' artwork is just, they're just doing it themselves. Like, and that's how, that's how art should be. There mm. shouldn't be a barrier to entry. Like, everyone should be able to make art. You yeah. know, think about, think about, like, if you wanted to start painting right now, you go to the store, buy all the tools you need. The rest mm. is on you. And I think music should be the same way, you know? I mean, obviously, learning instruments and stuff is a craft to it, but also, I don't know. I feel like anyone should have the opportunity to be able to create, you know, and with technology, it's evolving it to where, you know, a random little Nas X could just make a, make a, make a song and, and change his entire life, you know? And mm. I, I think everyone should have those opportunities. Cool. So I'm for it, man. I love it. Yeah. Bring it on. Best song wins, right? Serious. <laughs> well, you know, like I've been trying to start a label lately and I feel like rock musicians in general really just don't, they're not interested, especially in something like TikTok, probably because maybe the age range. Yeah, you know, honestly, even a lot of my peers, a lot of songwriters in the industry, I'm, I've always, I've always been, when a new technology comes, I always just dive right in. I just, mm-hmm. I always have. And honestly, I owe the, the initial start of my career to the same thing. I mean, MySpace, if that did not exist, yeah, my path would be completely different. There was a lot of people that blew up, especially around that time. What do you have, like uh, Tia Tequila or whatever, and mm-hmm. Rod oh, yeah. Jumpsuit Apparatus and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's like, I think it's just kind of endless, endless opportunity with the internet. And I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic, man. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, and it's, and it's never going to stop either. <laughs> There's just mm-hmm. going to be another, you know, TikTok is the new MySpace is the previous YouTube and it just never ends. Yeah, uh, same same thing with the rock thing though. Like, uh, I think that I don't, I don't know what's up with them a little bit that they maybe don't. Maybe it's the same thing with the num- not feeling like it's genuine. Like uh, a couple of the artists that I've talked to in the past don't even aren't even very interested in Patreon, which seems like the most straightforward way to like support the band that you like or artists that you I like. Mean, honestly, I think previous generations. Um, i.e. millennials and a lot of, you know, it's, it's carried over. But I think a lot of people take art, think art's a little too precious, you mm-hmm. know? And going back to the point I said earlier, like everyone should be able to make art, you know? And just because you 
learn the guitar for three years, like it doesn't mean you're any, like you're any more worthy, you know? So I feel like, you know, you, it's kind of like, you got to get with the times. Otherwise you don't get anything, you know, yeah. and that's just the world now. And there's no, there's no way around that. You know, you could, you could complain about it all day long, but like the dude who's doing the TikTok is going to get the exposure, you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean, you could just wait till TikTok's over in a couple of years. That's cool. But, you know, ultimately, <laughs> you know, making fans is about person to person interaction. You know, it doesn't matter the platform, you know, and the question I think you got to ask yourself if you're going to do music is, do I want to make, do I want to connect with a person to my music? And, th- and if you, and if the answer is yes, you should be using every platform um, mm-hmm. religiously. You should be posting content on everything, even if it's like, not going to work and never going to work. Yeah. You know, um, I think, I think, and if you don't, then you're just missing free opportunity. You know, this age that we're in is a, you could not buy advertising that you could get on TikTok. I actually started it a few months ago. Uh, just, you know, just posting fun videos and I've, I've had one go viral. I'm not even trying. I have no followers. I haven't posted it to my Instagram. I haven't posted it to my Twitter, nothing. No one knows about it. You didn't try to cross pollinate beforehand. I did did not purpose as like an experiment basically Mm. to, you know, because we're all skeptics until we're not, you know? Yeah. And when Instagram first started, like Twitter was popping. So people were like, ah, you know, that ain't going to work or whatever. Mm. So um, I I really think um, as an artist, these tools are all free promotion tools. So Mm. if you're not using them, then you're you're literally missing out on potential free promotion because you could be one post away from connecting with one more fan that comes to your show or that tells another person who that other person, you know, is, is, is a, a head of a, uh, 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 Netflix or, you know, mm. someone scouting a movie who said, you know, it's, you just, if you don't keep connecting the dots then you just miss out on opportunities, what I'm saying, you know, yeah, you could, you know, that, that one, you not posting that one extra video could be the reason you didn't get this movie trailer or whatever mm. it is, you know? And I think it's all about connections. And it's like, do you want to connect with your fans? TikTok is silly and dancing, but there's, if you look on there, there's a hundred different ways to create TikToks and create content that, that moves people. Oh yeah. A lot of the cooking people from YouTube moved over to it because it's a lot easier to do that. Yeah. And, and do you see the YouTube has the short stories version coming out really soon? I saw next yeah. one. Um, and you know, because you know, the world is just, they want to consume constantly. So us as creators, I think it's our job to just keep feeding them, mm-hmm. you know, cause if we don't, somebody else is going to create something and feed them, you know, like yep. they're going to eat no matter what you got to think of it that way, you know? Yeah. When you, in when fact, you, like when you sit in your bed in the morning or at night, you scroll on the internet, right? Like everyone. Yeah. Does. So you're just buying people's time. So if you're not hosting and you're, you're missing out. Yeah. That's the, one of the points and one of the differences of what I want to do is take things away from that idea of like, you know, releasing music at a certain time of year or releasing music, you know, as a package, whether it be an album or whatever, and start releasing more, you know, like once a month, Mm -hmm. try to promote as much as you can through every single kind of social media source, do a lot more video so that you have a lot more ways to connect with the fans and the audience and just, you know, put as much out there as as we can so that, you know, we can maybe hit something somewhere. I think so. You know, I mean, I, you know, like I, like I told you, I, I started making another album and I just set a release date for about two weeks from now, two weeks from Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I'm basically going to release a song every two weeks. Nice. Um, until I feel like it, you know, cause right, you know, right now I produce and write all myself. I play all the instruments and, you know, at one point I was the drummer. At one point I was the guitar player in, in, in the band that we were in together. I was the bass player, you know, yep. so I've done all the parts and, and you know, I, I played the producer game, the songwriter game for a long time. And now I'm basically just kind of the one man band. And, you know, there's so much money on the master side. I have the master, I own the masters to my, some of my previous recordings and it's, it's insane, mm. you know? So, you know, you could, and as a, you know, as a songwriter producer, I'm looking at like, okay, I produced this song. It has 200 million plays. I made the X amount of dollars. And I released this song myself and it has X amount of plays and hold on. I have how many more dollars than, you know what I mean? So it's mm. the math is off and you know, there's, there's so much advantage to owning the master um, yeah. and, and doing it yourself, you know? So, and, and I've also been live streaming uh, while I write, I've been live streaming mid uh, like uh, uh, yesterday as an example. I did, uh, I was writing this song, I was really in my feelings and I, I just decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on Facebook live right now mm -hmm. and sing it for people on there. And I turned my Facebook live on and maybe 20 people came on and I was like, you know what? You guys repost this. I want to get a bunch of people in here. And there ended up being maybe 50 or 60 people at one time. It ended up being a ton over time. People were in and out, but I, uh, I played the song for them as I was writing it. Mm -hmm. And the comments, the feedback loop, and the inst I actually played them two songs. I played them one song I wrote last week, like just on the piano. And then I played in this one kind of with the track. And I just sang the dry vocal to the fans. And they said, you have to finish that song. Immediately. Mm. You, they go, we want this right now. I want to send it to my friend. I want to, you know, my friend who's going through this. I want to, you know, and that's powerful. You know what I mean? The, the idea of making art in that type of capacity to get an instant feedback as opposed to, you know, a label or whatever you do, you know, you, you send the song to your manager or label or however that usually works. And they're like, Oh, this is cool. I really think it's better than the last one. And then, you know, you go back and forth and everyone sits with it for a minute and yada, yada, yada. Um, and then, and then you, you put a marketing budget together and then you go to put the song out and it, and say it does well or say it doesn't do well. Um, and then you're like, Oh, what went wrong? But you could have cut out all this extra time by just giving them like even a sample. It could be on the acoustic. It could be something really simple. So I think, you know, with technology, if you, if you could get comfortable in front of a camera, um, um, I think there's endless opportunity out there. Yeah. You know, you could, you could, I mean, if you're a band writing a song, you know, you could just put your phone in the corner and, and you're giving them a recording, but it's a really low quality recording. So they, you know, they're going to want the real thing if they like it. So yeah. I, don't know, I, I think, I think a lot of people are just thinking about it all wrong and they're a little too precious about their art when you could be getting instant feedback and, you know, and can you imagine like, like what's your favorite song? Gosh, I, I'm, like what's I like can't. top 10, you know, like what's one of your favorite songs? Oh gosh, you can kill me here. I don't know. Let's not believe him. What do you got? Come on, man. All right, all right. So no, how about nah, this? How about, how about this? Michael Jackson Thriller, right when Eddie Van Halen walks in to do mm. the guitar solo for Beat It. Say, say he had a live stream coming on for that. And you're a fan of Michael Jackson, but then mm. in, in walks in Eddie Van Halen. You know, and you're just like, oh, what is happening? You yeah. know, he does this solo, and you're just like, 
And can you imagine the story you would tell for the rest of your life about watching that go down? Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think there's tons of opportunity that, that a lot of people are putting their ego in front of this opportunity, you know? So that's my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and as Not someone who's, I'm going through it, I'm, I keep getting messages from these people saying like, yeah, I'm going through this and that really helped me. And they're, they just keep reaching out. So I think it's more powerful than you think. This, this Absolutely. Internet thing. It's a way, such a way to like connect deeply. In fact, I think we talked about that last time where I was like, you know, I think we should, I think that some of the guys should like write a song live or like write a song and like say, Hey, what do you, what do you think of this? At least like on YouTube. And then that would, that'd be a way to eventually pick the song of the month or whatever that we're going to record for, yeah. you know, for real or whatever. It's just, you could take going through that process. <laughs> yeah. Take a but, poll and you could be like, yo, it, you know, and especially a, a group starting from nothing. Say you're a brand yeah. new band, you have no fans. And you're like, you know what? We're just we're just gonna go live. It, it might be our friends at first, you know. We're just gonna mm-hmm. go live and make stuff, you know. Even if it's like starts of songs or whatever, get feed or maybe finish a thing, and just play it one. Be like, you know what? Every every you know we're gonna write this day, and at you know when we're done with the song, we're gonna go live and show it to you guys, you know. And it might be your parents at first, but that their parents might turn into the parents' friends, and then their kids, and you know, it's just people want to watch. Um, it's like reality TV almost, if you think about it, you know, and then they're connected with you forever. You know, I feel like that's how you get forever things, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. wants a hit, but don't you want a career like 20, 30 years from now? You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the, that's the legacy type of stuff. You know, I feel like those are the type of connections you make forever, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people want the brass ring, you know, they want the, the, they want to be on the top of the Spotify chart or whatever. And I think you've got to ask yourself, what do you want? Do you want it at the top of the chart? Or do you want to make a fan one at a time? Um, mm-hmm. Like a real fan. So The slow burn is always better anyway. Like the, oh, the build always- up to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you never have that the giant up and giant down to where you're going to be, you know, shaving your head. It's like going touring. crazy. <laughs> I think it's the equivalent of like touring and meeting fans after the show. It's, it's yeah. some similar equivalent to that because you're giving these people an experience that they're going to remember and they're going to have a, they're going to have their photo and they're going to look back on that memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, you're giving them a version of that virtually. That's absolutely. Know? I was thinking that earlier, whereas like, you know, I used to go to shows back, back before the internet had even video or anything like that. We go to shows and the best part was like either the banter on stage, like getting mm-hmm. to getting to know the artist. And then afterwards, like, Maybe you could, you know, meet them at their tour bus or doing something different, like actually meet the band a little bit. Yeah. That was always more, you know, there's always more. The second I show know. I ever went to was at the Metro in Chicago and uh, it was Fallout Boy. It was, you know, they were headlining the Metro. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. thousand person venue. So they weren't, they weren't big at all. I mean, you know, they were starting to get really big in Chicago. And I remember after the show, you know, uh, the band was out there and I remember talking to the band and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like, they were just on the stage. And now I'm talking to them and, you know, now you could do that without leaving the house, yeah. you know, like, why isn't, why aren't people doubling down on this? You know, <laughs> I get it. It's about, you know, I think a lot of artists want to like achieve a status where they don't have to do all the, all the minutia, but it turns out, you know, you just got to ask yourself, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it for the glory and the admiration or are you doing it to, to actually make fans and, and, and create art that lasts? And, and, and makes real connections and changes people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know? I think you got to make those decisions. And I think any of those decisions is fine. 
you know, but you just got to be honest with yourself and be like, you know what? I don't want to have to do all this minutia, you know? So yeah. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a risk and just not do it. And I, you know, I, I feel like you're setting yourself up to fail most times, unless you're just stupid talented. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, completely a no no brainer for a, a new artist to do this uh, it doesn't make any sense to to fight it at all i'd be i'm wondering maybe like why the bigger artists don't do it so much i know a lot of rappers do like they're great with marketing and whatnot like that but i wonder maybe they're a little bit scared to like bear like, themselves a little bit live yeah but i mean it's i mean the 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 industry is moving slower than technology you know oh, yeah. there are artists always there's artists doing it and the industry always is i talk to people um, label people all the time because I'm always, you know, working on production deals with A&Rs and heads of A&Rs and heads of labels and all that stuff. And it's so interesting the conversations I have with the label heads versus the conversations. You know, like uh, uh, two days ago, I had a conversation with the, one of the one of the heads of TuneCore, which is actually where I distribute my music. And it's just coincidence that this dude I've known for years actually ends up being like a really high up dude there. And I, I had no idea he even worked there. We were just kind of catching up because I haven't talked to him in a while. And he basically told me, he's like, the entire industry changed, man. All the money's on the master side and independent artists can do whatever they want. They're not locked into any deals. So they could just endlessly release records if they want to. You mm-hmm. know? He basically told me, he's like, dude, the model and the algorithms on Spotify, the, the way they work is the more you release, the more their algorithm caters to you. Yeah. The more often you release. So... You know, I mean, that's why I'm going to just start dropping songs every two weeks. I'm not going to be precious about my art, you know, and and I don't think art's really meant for overthinking. I think you're just supposed to make it and put, you know, make it as best as you can, not overthink it and just put it out. Yep. I don't think it's, I don't, uh, you know, I think the days of, of working on a song for three months and then, you know, going to radio for six months. And I, I just think that's all over, you know, I mean, I, I think radio is kind of dead. Radio is still important because it, there's this kind of local feeling when you turn on the radio. And especially right now during the pandemic, it seems like radio is really back on the map a little bit because people are getting local information, you know? So you got to think about localization. You mm-hmm. know, say you're from, you know, Sioux City, South Dakota, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was trying to think of the most random city I could think of. Um, Sioux, City, <laughs> Sioux City, South Dakota, you know, and you turn on the local news and they're talking about things about Sioux City, you know? So you're, mm. I, I think there's a local aspect that really keeps radio stations and their information and the news and, and a sense of community. I think that's what's making it so radio stations aren't just completely gone. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's my <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, radios, you know, because I, you know, I'm, I've done so many radio promo tours, you mm. know? Um, actually I just randomly, I got another song going to radio right now and it just got its first spin in Nashville and I was so stoked. Nice. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, it's, but I've, I've been to that station before. So I retweet or I reposted the Instagram post and, uh, you know, the, the person from the station is like, yo, what's up, man? What are you doing? I was like, I wrote that song that you're playing right there, <laughs> you know, and I produced it or whatever. And he's like, oh my God, when are you going to release some music? And I'm like, hold on. Let me get my stuff together here, you know? So I just basically decided about a month ago that I'm like, that I'm going to go full bore back into artist land. Cause it's, you know, no one's, uh, you know, as a songwriter, I write songs in a room with, you know, 
songwriter A and songwriter B, hot songwriter of the moment, and I produce a demo or whatever, and I, I pitch it to uh, pop artist A, B, C, you know, mm-hmm. try, you know, you always go for the very top and, you know, sometimes it trickles down into B or C and that market's kind of drying up. It's really drying up, you know, so like it's really clicky. So it's just making me be like, why, why do I want like artist B and C to produce my, or release my songs? I'd rather just release them myself. So that's kind of, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's more fulfilling anyway, especially talking to the fans and doing that whole dance. It's, it's so fulfilling, you know? you've always been someone to love to be actually play out though. I mean, like, you know, make music, play out, get the feedback oh, from real it. people. Well, I was reading that, you know, live shows aren't coming back for at least the year. It's what it seems. So I'm like, I mean, hopefully that changes, but mm. you know, I actually, I, you know, I use, uh, I, I produce in, uh, logic and I also produce in Ableton and I'm, I'm pretty proficient in, in both of them equally. And I started, uh, using the push controller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I basically, I designed a set, uh, of, of three songs the other day where I could trigger the loops myself. And I got a little pedal to trigger, trigger them. And it's like, you know, kind of like Ed Sheeran does this looping thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I'm going to start live streaming solo shows. Hey, that'd be fun. You know, I mean, for free at first and, you know, maybe eventually do some kind of Patreon or something like that for really exclusive stuff. Um, but I don't know. It's just a new wave. You know, I think we got to learn to adapt. So I love, I love playing live shows. I mean, that's, I mean, the, what happened is I played a show, my first, my first big show in Chicago with white tire fair, uh, a place called the beat kitchen. Yeah. You know, I had played a bunch of shows before then. I think I was there. Uh, Oh, you came to that show. I think, I think I was there. That was the first white tire fair show where we like revealed ourselves because it was just mm. silhouettes, you know, it was really, it really was just me. And then I added some band members afterwards, <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh man, I better put a band together. I claimed <laughs> it was a band. I made a fake silhouette of three dudes, you know, with white ties on. Uh, but yeah, I played the beat kitchen. And ever since I stood on that stage and heard, you know, there's, I don't know, 200 people or whatever. It sold out. I was so excited. You know, it was my first show as the band. We sold out the place and I was like, happening with my life like what happened it just flipped uh and i heard people sing along with my song and i was hooked it, it was it was game over from then i was like i'm doing this for life i don't care what i gotta do so and then you know after that white tie affair did you know we probably did 800 shows probably we did we toured for years um before the label even would put out a single mm. they were like yo just hit the road for a couple years we'll pay for it yeah <laughs> Like get better as a band probably is what they meant. (laughs) Rely on the tracks less, bro. (laughs) Jeez, I remember meeting up with you a couple times, like at uh, a few different uh, like practice spaces or whatever, like in between shows and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it was kind of for a few years, it was hard to get a hold of you. (laughs) Honestly, man, it's you know, it's just opportunity. Just in my brain, I once once an opportunity is in front of your face, man, you can't look, you can't turn your head away from it. Yeah. You know, because if you turn it away for a second, that opportunity could be gone, you know? Um, and I, that's what I think a lot of artists don't really realize, you know? And, and it's not always like that, especially now you could kind of nurture the career. But in my head at that time, I was like, I have to put my foot on the gas and never let it off. So I lost a lot of friends during that journey, journey and didn't talk to a lot of family. You know, I missed a lot of Thanksgivings. I missed, you know, missed a bunch of Christmases, birthdays. I'm, you know, you, as a band, you definitely sacrifice a lot of awesome things, but 
but I don't know, man. You you look back at those days and you're just like, wow, these, these those were the good old days or whatever, you know. And now I'm gonna do it again, and it's gonna be awesome, man. I can't I can't yeah. wait. Oh, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were signed to Epic, right? Yeah, we yeah we signed to Epic. How was how was that whole experience? Well, like you know, like I said, we you know I, I put out the one song. <laughs> white tie affair and then all these labels started calling and i was they're like you got more songs i'm like oh yeah (laughs) it was not true Uh, (laughs) so i scrambled i called every friend i knew locally i was like yo anybody got like who wants to write a song you know and Uh it turns out you know i wrote the first one pretty much by myself so i you know i i ended up uh just putting kind of a band together and uh so then we started we uh we put it we put together an ep and then the label put that out, uh, and and I think distributed it for free. You know, put together like a fan group and stuff. And then uh, we recorded the album this that summer. Uh, this dude uh, Matt Mahaffey and Jeff Terzo. They're actually the dudes that did the Hello Goodbye record. Because hmm. um, initially they're like, "Who do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Butch Walker." You know, they, that, <laughs> exactly. I was always you know because shoot up, for was, the stars. <laughs> well, I was a big Marvelous Three fan. I was like, I was like, I want Butch Walker or John Feldman to produce my record. Mm. And the label's like, all right, let's see what we could do. And I was like, oh my God, this could actually possibly happen. Because, you know, Goldfinger <laughs> was the the first band I, I learned guitar to. Yeah, you know? me too. Like, those were, those were, I mean, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was I was figuring out those riffs, like the Here in Your Bedroom and all that stuff. Yep. I was loving that. So, you know, I mean, we, we come from that same era of that type of music. And, you know, so I was like, and then they're like, well, actually, he's busy doing blah, blah, blah. And then I remember uh, uh, Butch Walker was busy as well. And I was like, oh, shit, who else is there? I, didn't, I was like, who, who else actually produces? Because all the albums I had, you know, I had Story of the Year. I had all these, you know, all these albums that only those two dudes did. And it was like internet. There's no Wikipedia and shit. So I was like, who else is there? I don't know any other producers. So then they were like, who else do you like? And I was like, I really like the way that Hello Goodbye sounds. That could be kind of cool. And then they're like, "Oh, Matt Mahaffey." So they ended up, uh, uh, we ended up doing the whole album there. So and uh, we had an entire album written, and then the song that ended up being the single was the add-on at the very end. Go figure, you know. Mm-hmm. So "Candle" was the last song written for that album. It's like, and that's the album, or that's the record that went gold or whatever. Um, There's a so, lot of stories like that. That's kind of crazy. I think "Chick Magnet" from MXPX is another mm-hmm. one that was like that. It was just a random one-off song. They're yeah. like at the end. That's I remember weird. hearing that about. Uh, I remember watching like MTV or something growing up, and Lifehouse said that mm-hmm. too about yeah. the Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that's the story. I don't know. Maybe my memory's not serving me correctly. <laughs> but I just remember I was like, because I, you know, I was exhausted. The album was done in my brain, you know. And then I went in the other. I went in this room and started kind of working on this idea I had written on the piano at my mom's house. You know, before I before I left for California to record the album, and uh, I had like a voice note recorded of it, or some you know some kind of some kind of recording. I don't remember. It was like in Cubans. I think I might have done it on my computer or something. And uh, and yeah, I was working on it in this room. And there was a uh, the dude who owned the building. It's, it's Scott Cutler. He actually wrote the song uh, "Torn" by Natalie Imbruglia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, yeah, you know that song, but uh, it was his studio. So I was playing on this grand piano they had in one of the separate rooms, working on the song idea. And he's like, oh, "What is that song?" And I was like, "It's a song I'm writing right now." He's like, "You need any help with it?" And I was like, "No, I don't think so." And then I was working on it for a little bit, and I was like, "You know, what? I'm gonna go talk to him." So then I was like, "Yo, bro, let's let's write this." 
Mm-hmm. It was like it was you know one of my it was my first co-write, basically my first random co-write ever. Uh, and then we ended up writing that song "Candle." The label heard it, they're like, "That's the one," you know. And mm-hmm. then <laughs> the rest is history for that one. So the label situation was it was fun, you know. I, in hindsight, um, as soon as I got signed to a label, you know, I was young at the time. It was my first, you know, I, I you know, like I said, I went from zero to a hundred, and I was like somebody likes me, you know, I was very, you know, we're all insecure and we're all hard on ourselves about our art and the music we make. And we, we always think it sucks till, you know, till yeah. it doesn't. And, um, you know, the label kind of told me what to do more than they probably should have. And I listened to them, you know, cause I was like, I didn't know what to do. They're like, this is what you should do. And I'm like, okay, I'll go do that. And in hindsight, there was a couple moves that I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have did that. I kind of should have took the reins a little more, you know, and, and you know, for new artists listening to that, this, I would, I would say that should be like number one, make sure everything is like your vision. You, know, you got to mm. put your name on it. You got to sing these songs for the rest of your life. You got to, you know, it's you, it's your art. So don't forget that. And don't you be know? timid. Yeah. And it's like fight for what you believe in. And even if, you know, even if you got to go to bat or whatever, you know, don't obviously jeopardize your situation, but if you're passionate about it, there's always a solution. You know, if you're working with reasonable people and you're Mm -hmm. passionate, I'd say, you know, be, be passionate, you know, show that passion. Um, and you'll, you'll figure out how to come to a meet a a middle ground, you know? Yeah. So, um, that was, you know, that was a lot of learning, you know, and even now, like now I'm putting out music and, Labels are literally talking to me like, yo, hey, you want to do some kind of deal maybe? Or, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the other I way around some, now. Uh... It, I'm, well, I, I, t- I literally tell them like, yo, if I want to take on a partner later, later, I, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. You know, so you got to remember you're always in control. <laughs> you know, you might not get the opportunities they're offering you, but you're still in control. You know? Yeah. So um, that would be my recommendation for any new artist. Just like, you know, don't be an asshole about it. Obviously, you know, be reasonable, but you know, fight for what you believe in. Cause you know, there was a, there was a couple, a couple songs that ended up getting released are, uh, I wrote this joke song. Here, I'll give you actually one of the examples. Uh, White Tiger wrote their, their, we, we had our first album, uh, sold really well. The single did really well. Labels like, all right, we need another hit. And I was like, all right. So they put us with Dr. Luke. You know, we wrote this song, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then the label got a new president and they dropped us. They dropped us. And I was like, what? And, you know, because it was successful. You know what I mean? That song, like the, whole, like the album was doing really well. And the head, uh, the, the head of Sony, like heard about it and was like, no, you're not dropping them. So the head of the label now hated us. <laughs> nice. Because basically she wanted, you know, she wanted to get rid of us, was, you know. Cause we had a meeting and she's like, I don't get it. Are you Justin Timberlake or are you Fall Out Boy? You know? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm whatever I want to be. I'm, I'm all of the above. And it was, it was one of those meetings that you're just like, I don't feel like that went well. Um, so, but you know, those type of things happen. And you know, I, 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 I told him, I was like, you know what? I can be both. There's no rules in this game that says I got to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I ended up, uh, we ended up doing a little writing trip, uh, to New York. And I'm writing this song called "You Look Better When I'm Drunk." Oh, I remember that one. And if you look it up, 
you know, it's a white tie affair song. I don't know, it probably has a half a million streams or something at this point. You know, it, it actually did pretty decent. It was like a top 30 radio song. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it kind of as a joke. And it was one of those things where the, li- like, I sent, we sent it into the manager, manager sent it to the label, and he's like, la- and basically everyone's like, this is a smash. We got to release it. And I'm like, oh. Uh, <laughs> I had this beautiful song called Fall With You. And I thought that one was the one. It was like, in my brain, it was like a hot AC number one. You know, it was like a Goo Goo Dolls, Iris type of song, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 not the like, no, not the, the, the one that kind of is offensive to women. <laughs> no, go with the love song. <laughs> oh, then, you know, it was crazy though, because I think I was at your last show and you, and you played that song and the crowd was crazy. Uh, they're, lo- they're on the younger side. But they were crazy for that song still. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you put 130 BPM four on the floor with a side chain, bro. <laughs> Dude, that was right when side chain was really coming into play. That was big. You know, so it was like one of the first, you know, it was right after Party Rock Anthem came out. or whatever. <laughs> So it's, you know, it's a big, you know, had all that going on. So it was very of the moment. But, you know, just lyrically, I was like, oh, man, it's just so cheap. Um, the song ended up being a top 30 song on the pop chart. You know, and uh, and then after that, uh, basically, we asked the label. We're like, "Yo, what what do you, what do you want to do uh, next? You know, do you want to release another single? Do you want us to keep writing?" And they're like, uh, "You know what? Just stand by. Uh, we're gonna maybe do something top of the next year." And it was summer at that time, or no, it was uh, beginning of summer, I think. And and I was just like, "Can we can we get off the label at all?" And basically, the label was like, "Sure." <laughs> so we ended up getting off the label. And then uh, the other band members, I was basically paying them a salary. Uh, and I, I, I pretty much told them I was going to, you know, stop that uh, for the most part. Or, you know, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like we weren't touring and stuff. So there was no money really coming in. So I was like, I can't really like pay you guys anything or whatever. Mm. Um, so it was, a, you know, it was a weird crossroads where everyone was like, all right, I guess this is over, you know. And then I just started making a solo album and ended up um, having a few having a few big songs with that, too. So. I just mm-hmm. never stopped, but you know, White Tie Affair was a, it was a lot of lessons, you know, we did a lot of touring and, and there's still a lot of fans. And I, I think actually this year or, you know, possibly next year after the quarantine's over, uh, I think I'm going to do a reunion tour. Um, mm. I have a bunch of songs that I've written that I was thinking about, ah, maybe I'll just put together, you know, release like three or four singles with White Tie Affair as well. You know, there's no rules anymore, you know, yeah, there never was. We just, society decided to say that there was rules. You know, yeah. there's actually no rules in this game. Like the, the goal is to make art and show it to fans. You know, like all the, the labels and the charts and the, the, all the hoopla in between, it's like, it's, you know, you could kind of cut out all that now and go straight to the fans. You know, yeah. so I think, I think we're in the Wild West still on the internet. I think it's, I think it's still anybody's game. So, mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm thinking like, oh, I'll do an album there. I'll do a solo album. You know, I'll do a fake DJ project. I'll get me a hat or a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. No, I'm joking, man. That's, that's, that stuff seems to be over. But hey, you never know. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, the, but it would be fun to play in a band on stage again. You know, that's fun. Because even when I'm going to do my solo stuff, when I start touring, I, I might hire a drummer, um, or maybe a drummer who plays keyboards and, and does a couple other things, but I don't want like a ton of people on the stage. I don't think, you know, 
Mm. Those cymbals, man, they got to my ears, bro. Oh, dude. I'll tell you what, when I'm mixing now, when I'm mixing songs now, my ears only go up to like 1,200. <laughs> and I know it's because of these damn cymbals, bro. I oh. know it. Because I'd be performing on stage and just thrashing in my ears, you know? Jeez. I, even from just practicing, like, I never obviously played out very much, but whatever bands that I've been, I feel like that did like being so close to the drummer and small rooms did wreak a little bit of havoc on my ears. Yeah. It was weird. At, you know, years ago, and I don't know, there's just something so amazing about hearing loud music that it's like, you don't care. Yeah. And also after you listen to it for a few minutes, your ears compress naturally. So yeah. it seem as loud to you. So you don't know you're damaging your ears after a few minutes or I don't know what the time is, but there's that variable too. So, which is a little bit why I think like that we had the whole like loudness war forever. I feel like, oh, that gets sounds better when it's like just smashed to death. It's like, oh no, that maybe kind of makes you feel like you're there, like well, you know, because it's just so distorted. I think it was a little bit of that, but I I also think it was like because louder always sounds better. Yeah, you know, if I played you a song at volume four, and you'd be like, oh, it sounds good, and then I turn it up to ten, and the bass is kicking, mm-hmm. you know, the sound system's going, you're just like, oh, it's like I'm at the concert, so. I think, you know, Loudness Wars was, was because of that as well. Because it's like, yeah. if your song's just a little louder than the next one, you could trick someone into thinking it's better. <laughs> it, that's definitely true. I would, uh, and uh, here's a, I don't, I don't know if it's a, a good idea, that, but I used to, when I would have problematic mixing, like people that were like, I just don't know. I don't understand. I don't know if this mix is good. And they're just in their head, their own head way, way too much. Uh, I would send them another mix, but it would be barely different. I would just like compress it slightly more, and just so it would be slightly louder, like maybe oh, like really? half a half a dB, and and they would like, oh wow, this does it sounds so much better. What'd you do? Like, oh yeah, I did a lot of stuff. You know, like just them getting out of their way. But like, it is like a confirmation like bias kind of thing where we think whenever we hear two two songs but one slightly louder, like it does it does trigger something in your brain to think it sounds better. Yeah, man, it's all subjective, you know? I mean, I, I think, you know, like I was saying, or like I said earlier about quality, video quality, everything, like I think people's standards aren't as high as you as the world thinks they are, you know? Yeah. We, we set the standards because we want to sound like the Foo Fighters record and we want to sound like the, the big Post Malone record or whatever we say it needs to sound like that. But it doesn't, no. you know? The fans just say like, give me the music, bro, you know? Or people who like the music, or they do not listen to the mix, you know. Like I, I always use my wife, or I'll use like my little sister as like an example. I'll send him a song and be like, "Hey, what do you think about this song?" They're like it's great. I'm like, "Hey, what do you, is the symbols too loud?" <laughs> and she's like, uh, "What's this? Which one's the symbol?" You know. So, yeah. You know, I, I go back and forth as a creator. You know, are the vocals clear? Are the drums clear? <laughs> are basically top two for me. I also read a metric uh, saying 70% of music is consumed on a phone speaker. Oh, yeah. So, you know, every mix I do, I make sure it sounds great on the phone more than any. I mean, my monitors as well, you know, while I'm mixing it. But I have a, a plug-in. Uh, do you have that one, that Adrio it's called? I, I don't have it, but I've heard of it, yeah. It's a $10 plug-in. Um, and, yeah, you just... It, it live streams it through the Wi-Fi to your phone so you can check it immediately, the mix. And I, I do that religiously, you know, because that's where everyone's going to hear it. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, 
if, if you have a huge hit song, they're definitely going to hear it on mall speakers and all that stuff too. And, you know, that's when the mix, I think that's when the mixing really counts. But for the most part, you know, everything's getting compressed and, and put on TikTok. And, you know, it, I don't know. I'd say just don't make it harsh would be my recommendation. Yeah. If you could just get rid of that, like, high-end harshness, multi-band that, you're good. <laughs> Beyond that, make the drums bunch. Make sure the vocal's not too harsh. I, I feel like, you know, that's mixing in my brain. Like well, both YouTube stuff. and Spotify nowadays, they volume match everything. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got I have the chart or whatever of all that. I'm actually, mm. since I'm uh, going to start releasing music, I'm basically going to make it all the, the, the correct LUFS for all the different platforms, you know? Mm. So, and I've, I've, I've had songs that came out that I've, that I've mastered myself and mixed myself. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a different world these days. The plugins are so good and it's all subjective anyway. So you know, like yeah, said, make the drums punch, make sure you can hear the vocals, make the guitars wide. You're good. You know, I mean, it's, I love sending it off to someone else, but yeah, more than more often than not, the bands are using my master. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've done it both ways. You know what I mean? I've had, uh, Serban Gane makes a ton of songs. He's he's really good. I mean, the pop stuff. He's there's just there's not not anybody better. You know, I had mm. one Tony Maserati mix. He he was really good too. Uh. Um, you know, and there's this uh, new there's this new dude, John uh, John Castelli. He's really good. I've been using him on a bunch of stuff. Mm. Uh, and this yeah, so cool. A lot a lot of good mixers out there. I mean, not a lot of rock stuff, more like pop stuff, but uh, yeah, but still like. You know, actually, the White Tie Affair, uh, Chris Lord Algae mixed uh, two songs on that. Yeah. And I went to his studio, and it was I was just, like, blown away. You know? Oh, that's the one that I I actually ended up yeah, working at, at that place, Resonate. He yeah. actually left not too long after that. Yeah. Uh, I never even got to meet him from that oh, that's place. that's funny. I never got to meet him because he, he, like, literally in the middle of the night just unplugged everything and left. He was building another studio in Tarzana, and he didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Wow. He just, he just unplugged anything and left. Yeah. He'd I mean, been working with those people for like 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, you never know what's going on. You, you know, you don't know anyone until you walk in their shoes. You know, in, yeah. in their minds, that was the right thing to do for some reason. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I got a job there after you left. So it was fine. Yeah. Great. It ended up working out. So, but yeah, it was at yeah. that same studio. It was, mm. at the, it was at that same spot. I remember going there and, you know, He's like, he's like, I love the song so much. I gave you a drum and bass version too, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> what am I going to do with this? <laughs> okay, I still, I still have it on my computer somewhere. He was a nice guy, though. Yeah, Nick sounded dope. Yeah, he's definitely the master for loud and we're banging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that American Idiot record. I mean, that was. Yeah. Mm. I think I ended up buying two copies of that CD because I wore it out. You know. <laughs> I know we had talked about the the idea of the label a while a while ago here, and uh, I know that we kind of been talking about like artists probably could do better on their own. Like, what well, I mean, uh, with a, with a, a bit of infrastructure, especially bands, people who don't know how to produce. You know, I mean, you definitely you gotta have somebody helping you out. <laughs> yeah, more and more though, you see them. They are. I still run into them though that they you know some of them for some odd reason they don't see that. As something they need to do like make it sound good or just have like basic recording skills i don't know they like hey you guys need to know how to record a demo (laughs) most people get into music because they think it's going to be some kind of like easy street you know 
or it's mm-hmm. like it's you know it's it, it's where you could kind of like slack off and, and like and and do well at it you know it's that type of industry for the most part you know mm. um it's not like like the hardworking dudes or like the entrepreneurs or like the one that want to go to college and be a doctor like that's you know so music people i think are generally sometimes a little lazier in general um but honestly i the best thing that i did for myself was learn how to record and become a producer and engineer you know i think people should at least be able to record vocals yeah like at least especially in the quarantine now you know i'm working with all kind of top liners who write music and they're they're learning you know i got friends calling me they're like yo how do i do logic and i'm like <laughs> well i don't know where to start but exactly here's right, some youtube so, videos go watch those no, yeah that's what i did i'll send them a few youtube videos mm-hmm. and you know i'll be like yo like i set up a few um vocal chains for some people and i was like push this threshold knob here depending on how loud your input is. And, you know, you know, I, I try to help them out and, but you know, I, I like, I like the idea of giving back, but I, I think the best thing a new artist could do, um, you know, is learn how to songwrite, learn how to produce, mm. you know, like focus on those two things because the thing that's made me the most luck in my life as an artist is my songwriting skills and my, and now, now that I'm, trying to release stuff independently um and as a producer is now my production skills you know because now i I literally don't need anyone else to make music and put it out in the world and go directly to the fans you know and if you want um to take on a label and take on a partner and have some you know manager help you um blow up your career um you know having those skills you you think about someone like uh you know russ the the rapper Mm mm-hmm I mean, I don't know. Have you, have you followed his career at all? No, I just hear things here and there. But yeah, so yeah. Russ, um, basically, you know, kind of out of nowhere, producer guy, I think he uses Logic, um, just started making songs, releasing them. I think he was doing a song, uh, like a song a day for like a few months, you know, but he was connecting with fans on a whole nother level, kind of like what I was talking about. And he just, you know, his productions are, are were pretty good at the time. Now they're like really good, but you know, he was just making stuff, putting it out, getting instant feedback from the fans like I was talking about. And now, I mean, he's he's one of those dudes that he's not like huge in the hip hop community at all, but he sells out Red Rocks. You know what I mean? He sells 10,000 yeah. tickets in Colorado, but like is, isn't on Rap Caviar or the big Spotify playlist. But turns out that doesn't matter. All that matters is connecting with the fans. So whatever gets you to that. So I'd say learn how to produce, learn how to record yourself and you're just you're basically adding so many skills and it's like weapons in your arsenal to be an artist you know like instead of spending extra time learning that you know learning how to shred on the guitar you know learn the basics and Mm -hmm. then learn a program and then once you got the program down then you could shred you know or whatever whatever version of that is you know yeah so yeah that would be my, that would be my recommendation uh, first. I mean, I, like I wouldn't, my whole career wouldn't have started if I wouldn't have um, bought Reason. I went to Guitar Center and bought Reason. They kind of like, eh, I'm gonna try this out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I saw someone making a beat at some show, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try some electronic stuff. And that was me taking a risk. You know, I, I grew up playing guitar and drums and and bass, and you know, I loved. I wanted to be in bands, you know, um, but it was me taking taking control of my own path. So. If you are the producer, at least making the demos, you have the control. And I think yeah. a lot of artists don't realize that 
control, as soon as you let that control go to a producer, even if it's a you know producer you love, that that's great. You're still giving away some control, mm-hmm. you know. So your vision has to compromise at some point. So I you know I, I think you know even you think about people like Post Malone or whatever. It's like he he uses GarageBand just to get his ideas out. I mean, they're not, he's not finishing any of the songs, but then he found Louis Bell and, you know, or I don't know how many songs, but at least in a few interviews, I've seen uh, Post Malone talk about how he starts the demos and they you know, they sound like shit in GarageBand, but it's the idea. He's like, here's, yeah. here's generally what I want. And then you, you feed it off to somebody who could help you finish it, you know? And that's, that's exactly what I did for the first White Tire Fair song. You know, I started my really poorly recorded whole thing I, and I farmed it out to a dude locally I, I think I paid him a hundred dollars or something at the time maybe 50 50 or a hundred dollars he mixed it made it sound you know added some production did the thing and we put it out and it was off to the race you know so um, I think there's more value in learning recording programs than uh, um, you know even learning guitar or something like that you know <laughs> You know, I mean, even if you like want to be in a band, I still think it would be more valuable to learn, like learn them at the same time. You know, mm. do you think so. there's a place still for labels, like something that I want to do? I definitely think so. I think people need infrastructure. You know, everyone wants, like I said, they want the brass ring. They want they want to get to the goal. They can see the goal and they see everyone on the charts. But you know, someone might have a ton of talent, but you know need someone to, you know, i.e. polish their stuff like I was just talking about, or instead of, instead of pointing left where they, they're looking left, you'd be like, actually turn your head to the right a little bit. Oh yeah. Go that way for, for like a little bit, you know, you mm-hmm. go left later, you know, um, you know, think about a band like 1975 or something, you know, their first stuff was pretty, pretty straight, you know? Yeah. And then they went left <laughs> and then they went back straight and they went right. And, you know, so I feel like, Having an infrastructure is valuable um, because it it makes you accountable to somebody, you know. Because if you're on your own, you just you could get lazy and you know watch that extra episode of Breaking Bad or whatever <laughs> instead of finishing that song. Whereas if you have a label or or some kind of management infrastructure, you know the manager or whatever is like, "Yo, where's that thing you promised me? I thought you were working on something dope," you know. And I think accountability. Um, really helps motivate people to finish things. Yeah, you know? and that I would say so. Having a team in that sense is 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 some, for some people really necessary. You know, so that would be my that would be my my thoughts on on your label uh, label venture. You know, label. I I would say do label, do management, do everything. Just mm-hmm. basically, your your goal should be to make these people the biggest artists in the world. You know, find yeah. the next Imagine Dragons, find the next Killers. Or you know what I mean, like, and 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 just pour gas on the spark, you know. For and that's you know, that's what I would do. That's basically I, the vision to kind of be be the manager, being you know, be the help helpful producer, be the video editor if needed, be you know, the mm-hmm. marketing ask expert, you know, be be all that uh, in one as much as I can be, and just grow it from there. Start as a team and kind of work with the social media aspect more than more than ever because yeah you know putting stuff out on cds and even vinyl or cassettes are fun for a while like that's you know that's just such small potatoes to where you know your money needs to be coming in from definitely definitely well i mean those are those are kind of novelty things at this point you know a cd yeah. is almost like a novelty item because nobody could even play it 
Yeah, seriously. You know, someone, like someone posted a picture the other day of like their PS2 or something or PS3 or whatever, and it's the last thing in my house that I can play CDs on or whatever. That's else. hilarious. No, but it's so it's so true. You know, it's so funny. But that's just that's just the world. You know, that's the world we live in, and it's it's an exciting world. Um, and I think the opportunity is endless. I think it's, I think as far as marketing potential right now, we're in an era that is exponentially. You could grow exponentially like anyone could if they have the right thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the smallest person in the world, like the lowest ranking person. I read a thing. It was saying like the lowest ranking person in the world. Like if, if you took all 8 billion people in the world and, and there was number one, like the bottom of the, of the ranking of 8 billion people or 7 billion people or in the world, that person still has a voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Think about Think about that. That person still can log into Twitter and post something. And if it's the right thing, it matters to people, the world will see it. Yeah. You know, and that's what I got to say to new artists. You know, don't stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your favorite song? <laughs> Come on, man. Don't stop believing. Who doesn't who doesn't who doesn't love that song though? There's, <laughs> There's like, a lot of people that don't love that song. Yeah, but they don't love it, but they secretly love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's got the four magical chords, mm-hmm. <laughs> the four magical chords, and it says something that we could all relate to. Because if you don't believe in yourself, then like you're, you're doing it wrong. You know. I got it on vinyl, original. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Not that I listen to it very much, which is most people. They just like <laughs> collect them just to have them. Hey, you know, gotta have a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, staring at vinyl. <laughs> that, that's a good name for an indie band. <laughs> something like that vinyl collection <laughs> oh dude thanks for thanks for being on man and you know i i look forward to the time that we can actually like grab a beer or something and hang out because it's been forever and <laughs> i know i know i have, i literally have not been out of the house in i think two two and a half weeks yeah you like instacart <laughs> yeah insta, yeah i've done instacart and like delivery for everything you know, mm-hmm. and I have my studio is uh, is on the third floor of my house, or on like in the, the ground floor. So um, I basically just get to walk out of the house, go to the, go to my studio in the back, and just make music all day. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that that was the dream. <laughs> that was the dream yeah. all along. You know. Yeah, I need to. I'm building up a little shed out back so that I can move a lot of my stuff to. So because, gosh, my kids are just they annoy the crap out of me more. Like I probably annoy the crap out of them to be honest. They'll be like, I'll be like tuning vocals. They'll be like, Oh gosh, do you have to do that? And like, I wish I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Well that's yeah. My, my, my wife definitely used to have to go through that and she's stoked that she doesn't have to anymore. But now it's like, I'm in the studio so much. She comes anyway. So she's like, listen to me tune vocals anyway. So, Mm. you know, I don't know, you know, they, they miss you, but yeah, having a little privacy is great. For me, I really need the privacy to sing because, you know, when you're writing, when you're songwriting, think of all the bad notes coming out, you know? Yeah. A lot of bad notes when you're just kind of humming melodies and doing that whole thing. So I, I don't want to have to put her through that either. That's nice, dude. I saw, I caught a little bit of your, uh, your, your thing, uh, wasn't it yeah, yesterday? What do you think, man? How do you, I mean, I, I, like, you know, real talk, like, tell me, like, tell me what you think of me on there. Do you think, like, I'm good at that shit? Do you think? Yeah, like, dude. You're super- seem like. Does it seem like I'm like personable for those type of things? I have no idea. You're yeah. always like, you're always personable. Give me that Thanks, crap. Like, no, I appreciate it. But I don't know. <laughs> like, honestly, I, I, you know, it's, you know, it's like, 
it's like riding a bike or whatever, but I'm also like, well, I haven't ridden a bike in years. You know, I just haven't, <laughs> put, I haven't put myself out there like that. You know, you're a very but, lovable guy. And I think that this, I think this was actually very good for you. you I think, think that you released it. Me? Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I want to do more stuff like that. Cause dude, I, I'm making like real connections with people. Mm-hmm. Like, as I was saying earlier, I mean, it's like, dude, I got so many messages and people were like, holy shit, bro. Like, you know, like, please. Was it just Facebook off. that you were? It was just Facebook. And I, I put on Twitter for like a few minutes and it mm-hmm. was, it was maybe like 10 people on Twitter, but Facebook, like I think um, the first one, I think like maybe 15 or 1600 people watched it. I didn't look to see how many watched the second one, but it's probably over a thousand or something. I mean, I would try to, because there are certain ways that you can uh, stream to all of them at the same time. Yeah, I would I'm try to get as much as good. Yeah, I mean, I have the OBS software and I, I have this other program called Restream where I could do a couple different uh, yeah, a couple different things, but I was also just like, I think there's, you know, I want to make sure I can see all the comments. You know? Yeah, I think Mobcam will actually, uh, Mobcam will actually put all the comments from everything in there. I think. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah you right. should check that one out. Mobcam. I, yeah, I'll try that one. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, do they do Instagram yet? I think it goes to Instagram too. Oh, because that must be new. Because Instagram, before, Instagram live, like yeah, OBS wouldn't let Instagram live. I think they had some kind of desktop. Because I don't think you could do lives on desktop. But I, I know they just changed that last week. Yeah, they posted about it. They're like Instagram's now on the desktop, so maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe they're allowing people to do it because if they're not, they're idiots. You know, I think they're since everybody's out. at home now, that they're like it's smarter to allow the desktop. Yeah, I mean, because everyone's going live, and it's the only way to connect with people. You know? They wanted to keep it a separate ecosystem, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I yeah, I, I think uh, every platform, I definitely want to stream onto all of them and, and it'd be cool to aggregate them all to where I could just look at the comments. And I, I think that'd be fun. And, you know, for now I was almost, you know, cause I just really decided that I was going to go like full artist career, like a few weeks ago, you know, none, none of my like peers in the music industry, none of my, you know, none of my music industry friends really even know Chris the artist, which is funny. You know, a lot of people I work with are like, "Oh, and you sing?" You know, I'm working with, <laughs> I'm working with these kids in like the Vamps and all these groups or whatever. You know, they sell millions of records and they're huge, like overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, they sell out arenas all around the world. And uh, in the U.S., they do maybe like two to three thousand tickets, I think, in every market. Still big, still huge, but yeah. like around the world, they're huge. But um, you know, they come here and 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 they're like what do you do? And I'm like, uh, I used to sing in this band. Like, oh, really? You used to sing? You know? And it's like, they're like surprised by it, you know? Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's just funny when you, uh, when you start thinking about that stuff. So I haven't really presented myself to any of my like music industry peers as like Chris, the artist, which is kind of funny. So I had, you know, I was almost kind of doing an experiment for Facebook. Just like, let's just see all the fans here. Cause my, my uh, uh, engagement isn't as high on Instagram for some reason. You know, um, but my engagement's super high on Facebook. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to do Instagram live and Facebook live and YouTube probably, um, on, on the, on some of the next live streams. So, yeah. You know, I think that'd be kind of fun, but it's fun. It's fun doing it. You know, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Did you, did you see me perform the song or no? No, I did a couple songs. Yeah. I used pop in, but, mm. but it's cool. I love that stuff. I feel like there's a connection being made that like, that, I don't, I don't even know if I really completely realize how big of a connection you can make with people doing that shit. Yeah. 
you know, it, I mean, it's like, also kind of built in marketing. I mean, to be honest, like if you're going to be writing the songs on there, getting feedback on there, they like the songs. That's the one you pick. That's the one you record and release. Yeah, they're, they're invested already. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, several people uh, sent me messages on Facebook afterwards. They're like, yo, I can't wait for you to release that song that you played. And, um, and, and let me know if you like, when you release it, I'll share it. I'll tell everyone I know about it. You know, they're offering, you know what I mean? I'm not even, yeah. I'm not even doing that. I don't even have to do the ask. Yeah. You know, and when, you know, and when you like, it's like when you give, 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 they, they do the ask for you, you know? Yep. So there's, there's a little bit of that. And I, you know, trust me, man, I'm, I'm seeing all this potential. Like, Oh shit, this could be, (laughs) this could be like a whole new wave, you know, skip the labels, skip the managers, skip the videographers, skip everything. You know, just do it all yourself, you know? So, you know, and I'll hire people on Fiverr to do some shit. You know, Serious. Like, you know, like I've done logos and stuff for them at, at the very least. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I just, the whole game's changed, you know? And uh, yeah, I wanted to tell you this, come, you know, I want to tell you more details of this conversation I had with this dude, the TuneCore guy. Uh, oh, cool. And I know you're not a huge TuneCore fan, but bro, he spits some knowledge too. Mm. You know, like uh, I kind of want to just read we were just texting back and forth and you know he was just kind of explaining to me the algorithm thing you know and he's like bro i recommend you release one one song one or one song every week or once or two songs um two songs a month or whatever um and he said they make sure that you have them uploaded like a a week or and a half uh earlier because yeah yeah. because then they considered for playlisting or whatever well, they'll actually email all your fans, the people that you like, that liked your stuff on Spotify. They'll email that you have new releases. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a good amount of followers, too. I think I have 8,000 on there, which is, I mean, that's mm-hmm. You know, and even like every time I log into the Spotify for Artists, there's always like 15, 20 people listening to my music still after all these years. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's some momentum that's still happening. Um, and I can't really discount, discount that, you know. So, but yeah, basically the... You know, homeboy said like, "Fuck old school, man!" Like, just if you release songs very often, then the algorithms will basically see that and 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 uh, go in your favor. Yeah, you know, which is, I mean, if if that's the trick, I mean, if that's like a current hack in the music industry, mm-hmm. like it could just, you know, like you could just jump ahead of so many people and so many things. Yeah. Which is why I feel like rock artists are still getting a little bit. That's, that's another part of them getting like the short end of the stick is because they're still so set on EPs and, and mm-hmm. LPs that they you know don't want to release these singles. They just don't like that idea. Yeah, well, because you grow up, you know, the bands you like, all the stuff you're fans of, put out albums. And, you know, it's, yeah. But if you're not smart, you're you're gonna lose. Yeah, that's just that's just the way the game is. It's a you know it's a music business. You know, and if you don't play it like a business, you know, you gotta, you just gotta be smart. You gotta keep pivoting. Like if the market pivots, if everyone's looking over there, if everyone's over there, you don't want to be looking over here. It's just, it's, it's actually simple. If you think about it, it's just ego is the thing that um, gets in everyone's way. Yeah. You know, if, you know, if you really look at yourself in the mirror, like, why am I doing this? I want to, I want to have fans. I want to make music and I want to make music for a living wouldn't you be doing everything you can to do those two things first? Yeah. yeah. You'd, I mean, that's, you'd think, but I think anyone could be convinced to do that. Yeah. You know, you know, it, it, even if you're like 
the purest of the purest. You could be like, hold on. You see John Mayer doing Instagram lives. You like guitar solos, right? <laughs> He's great. <laughs> you know, you, like, you know what I mean? Like get with the times, you know, otherwise you're just going to get passed by. Absolutely. Or like two years from now, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to join TikTok. And it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> way past it now. Yeah. You're, you you already missed the boat. So it's like free fun. engagement now. It, dude, I have a, I, I showed you that post, right? Yeah. Well, that I have another. Is it the same one that I showed you? It now uh, has, it was one with like the kid. That yeah, you the put kid it it now has forty five thousand. I think when I showed you, it had thirty. Mm-hmm. Dude, it just. I mean, it keeps growing. She is cute. I mean. No, I agree. But I'm <laughs> saying my point has nothing to do with me or the baby. It all it has to do is with I have seventy nine followers, and to reach that many people with that many followers is just insane amount of actual marketing. If you think about it, you know, like yeah. if my song was in the background of that and you know, 45,000 people just listen to my song, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you know, someone might like it. Someone might be like, Hey, what is that song? You know, I'm going to make a video with that song. Like it's free promotion. Um, yeah. And you know, and I think if you're not, if you're ignoring that that exists, then you're, then you're literally are have no idea how the world works right now. You know, mm-hmm. like, would you want 45,000 people to listen to your song or not? Yeah. And most people would be like, yeah, I would love for 45,000 people to listen to my song. And it's like, well then you got to figure out the game. You know? And then if you know, especially with TikTok, it's so like a, I don't know, like a, a viral people. thing. Yeah. You get, you could paid for it, but it's so like a, a viral thing to where like, if it's a fun song, and other people are like starting to use it, you know, like yeah. it's like that Lizzo thing, you know, where. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, well, there's a viral song on TikTok. There's two. Uh, there's the Put Your Hand in Mine. Have you heard that one? Put Your yeah. Hand in Mine. That song came out four years ago. Yeah. TikTok. And it just got, you know, TikTok legs. Re- reignited their career. Someone made a TikTok video to their song and it reignited their career. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with that, uh, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. Same thing. Song came out years ago. Mm-hmm. And someone made a TikTok video, and now this girl has a career. Yeah. You know, like, if you're sleeping on that platform, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> if you're sleeping on any platform, if, you know, as an artist, you have to distribute on all platforms. This mm. is free marketing. Just try to do as much as you can. I mean, you, you watch. Well, I mean, watch how watch how ham I'm about to go, like in about in about a week or two, bro. It's like I'm not gonna stop. You know what I mean? I'm excited. I'm gonna use every tool I have, and it's all free. Yeah. You know, and you know, I'd, I'd love to pick your brain on some Facebook marketing stuff because I, I was gonna to, say I'm I'm gonna fucking go ham with that. I'm gonna invest money. You know, I I was you know like we we're talking. I was like, should I invest in the stock market? And I'm like, actually, no. Hold on, let me invest in this guy. Let me take that fucking money I would have put in there and just put it into running ads and, and building my own brand, you know, creating an actual legacy of music. And, you know, that's, that's big, big picture. That's my goal, bro. I've been using, I think I've been doing a couple dollars a day for the last two weeks uh, for the podcast. And it's like, gotten, it's gotten me like an extra thousand downloads. It's just wow. kind of, Hey, so, <laughs> but yeah, man, this oh. was, this was fun, man. I gotta go, uh, uh, 10 to the baby. All righty. You go do that, dude. 